Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk and happy International Cross on Day. And if you're one of those fancy people who like to pronounce a word with a bit of a Frenchy accent, perhaps you should reconsider that because the history of the croissant isn't what you think. Courtney Traub is editor and founder of Paris Unlocked. Afternoon, Courtney. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so the, the, the precursor of the croissant, what was that called? So most historians believe that the precursor to the croissant was uh, probably invented in Austria or somewhere else in Central Europe, probably around the 13th century. And it would have been called the Kipferl. That's K-I-P-F-E-R-L. And it would have been um, a denser and sweeter and much less buttery uh, pastry that was made with flour and milk and a little bit of butter, but um, definitely doesn't resemble their, its... Uh, its cousin today. Yes, right. So yeah, you've had the Kipferl then uh, in Austria for quite some time. Uh, and then it, the Ottoman Empire decided to attack and things changed. Well, that's the that's the origin story that many people would say is most likely to be a myth. So, <laughs> so yeah, this is a very popular myth and it's an alluring one to be sure. The, the, the story goes that... Um, uh, during the Ottoman siege on Vienna in 1683, there were a group of bakers who were working from underground kitchens, and they could hear, you know, pro- perhaps the, the the stomping of hooves from horses overhead, and they alerted the authorities, and so they succeeded in ousting the Ottomans. Mm-hmm. and And to commemorate the victory, uh, one of the bakers supposedly made uh, a commemorative pastry in the shape of the crescent moon, which of course featured on the Ottoman flag. Um, at that time, yeah, that's a but, more that's a very heroic sounding story. But that, probably the more prosaic truth is that the, the curved kip furl had been around for a while already. Yes, that's what most food historians say. And and actually, there's a guy named Jim Chevalier who's written a book on the history of the croissant. I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact title at this point, but his name is Jim Chevalier, like you know, like a horseman. And he notes something really interesting about this origin story, which is that. You hear similar things about the Ottoman Empire being sort of the source of uh, of things for both the bagel and for a yeasted German cake called the Kugelhopf, which is oh. eaten at Christmas. So the fact that, you know, three different pastries are associated with the siege from the Ottomans kind of makes you think it's probably a, a nice tall tale rather yes. than truth. <laughs> it's an easy applicable template for the creation of any food stuff you like. Uh, so, right. so, but then, but we're still in Austria. And I was surprised how relatively recently it was that, uh, the, you know, Austrian uh, um, sweetbreads uh, arrived in France. Yes. So um, most people would would say that the what we think of today as the croissant uh, started with two Austrian bakers named August Zeng and Ernest Schwarzer. I'm probably not getting the German accent correct, but you'll forgive me that. And they opened... Um, sometime around um, 1837, a bakery in Paris, which was called La Boulangerie Viennoise, or the, you know, the Viennese bakery, uh, some referred to it simply as Zangs, uh, and and they were selling all sorts of Viennese style pastries there. But but the trick was, was that Zang, one of the bakers, had this really uh, innovative, at the time, steam oven, which would have made, given that, sorry, excuse me, which would have given the pastries this really nice sheen, this lovely shiny surface. And that's still considered to this day one of the sort of ideal aspects of a croissant. 
Right. Okay. So, and and as I understand it, they were only in business for two years. Yeah, they they weren't around long, but they were around long enough to apparently spark a craze among Parisians. Um, and you know, one thing that makes me think that that's probably has some truth to it that that was their doing in part, at least, is that. Uh, of course, the term for any kind of bread-like French pastry, so that would be your croissants, your pain au chocolat, your pain au raisin, your, excuse me, your raisin, raisin-laced sort of breads that are in a nice little snail shape. All of those are referred to as viennoiserie. So you mm. have the sort of the reference to Vienna in the term. Um, I can't say that on, on, on total authority, but I think it, it's pretty, it, it seems clear that the Viennese connection is there. Yeah, but at, at, at that time, they were still kipferls, essentially. Uh, so when did, when did people start referring to them as croissants or was there, was there a change that took place to call them croissants? There was. Um, the, the term croissant seems to have started appearing in various European dictionaries sometime in the mid mid 19th century. And even old Charles Dickens apparently wrote in a journal entry that, you know, he, he was in Paris and he said something like, oh, these lovely croissants are so much better than the stale little breads we get in London. I'm paraphrasing here, but he, mm-hmm. he mentions it in sometime around the 1860s or 70s, I believe. And then, um, you know, when people, when French people say, no, the, the butter croissant is French, um, you could t- say that they're correct in that, it was only in the early 20th century that bakers started to use puff pastry. And the introduction of puff pastry really radically changes uh, the kipferl into something else, an entirely different animal, if you will, a much buttery animal, <laughs> a much more buttery animal um, with these sort of really flaky, you know, layers that we really associate with a good butter croissant today. And it's much puffier. It's got like sort of that height you think of when you think of a a good croissant. So, so you know, it, it, it's a complex thing. It's Viennese and perhaps it's also distinctly French at the same time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's really the, the, the croissant as we know it today is really only about a century old. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you could say so, and you could, and you could also really uh, you know attribute its 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 popularity and its success also to the invention of these industrial ovens in the twentieth century. I mean, you couldn't have the scale of production that you have, and you couldn't even have you know, the, the, like I said, that lovely height without these, these mm. special ovens, which is why if you try to make an, a, a croissant at home, you'll likely fail or you'll be disappointed because you just can't get that same, that same structure that you would get out of a good baker's oven. Yeah. Um, uh, is there a relationship between uh, um, uh, how flaky and light the, the croissant is and how recently it was baked? I, I think so. I think so. There's. I think as time goes on, as as it sits there on the bakery window, um, it it tends to get a little bit more compressed and flat, and the air mm. goes out of it. And and you know, I've definitely noticed a difference between a croissant I've I've gotten really early in the morning and one I've gotten in the afternoon. I definitely wouldn't recommend the afternoon ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've gone a bit rubbery at that stage. Courtney, thanks a, a million uh, for speaking with us today. Uh, that was fascinating. That's Courtney Traub, their editor and founder of Paris Unlocked. Moncrief weekdays at two p.m. on News Talk.